Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to stretch some of you today. Go to the book of Haggai. You know those little tabs on the edge of your Bible or the table of contents? I remember I used to mess with teenagers when I was a youth pastor. I'm like, turn to the book of Hezekiah, and they would look for it, and I'm like, it doesn't exist. Gotcha. And one time I preached out of the book of Obadiah. They're like, we're not going to fall for that. That's not a real book of the Bible. I'm like, oh, boy. I got to do better. Book of Haggai, if you need to, it's on page number 791 in my Bible. It will do you no good in your Bible, but go to that book, and that's where we're going to launch from. I am so stoked about seeing people follow the Lord in baptism. I love seeing baby dedicated. It's been a great couple weeks of just seeing uh, lives uh, just change around and touched. Um, even hearing some of the stories of what God is doing around the altars after service or in the prayer room. Um, I, I wish I had the time to share all of the, just those moments and even to hear from guests. In the past month, we've had a couple set of guests who are moving to Kalamazoo, so they came here to scout out housing, and they also wanted to find a home church. And I, there's two couples that are, one's uh, flying back to think it's Virginia, the other one is Florida, and they both said, we don't need a church anymore, we found our church home. And I love that we've got a place that people want to come and not just attend, but they want to find church family. Because that's what we are, aren't we? For most of us, we're, we're church family. As some of you are like, I don't know why I want to claim you. But we all have family we don't want to claim, right? Nobody amen that. That was probably a better situation. But I'm uh, just so stoked to have all of you here. Uh, man, we've seen, again, with family, we've seen some... Uh, some amazing moments over the past uh, couple weeks. We've had, I think, in the past, in the past uh, three weeks, uh, five deaths in connection to people within our community. And I'm telling you what, watching the body of Christ come and surround those individuals has blessed my heart. And I love being a part of the body of Christ. Would you, now that I've given you plenty of time to find Haggai and to see if that was a real book, if you would stand for the reading of the word this morning. I'm going to read Haggai 1, 13 through 14. Some people have tried to correct my, correct, my, uh, correct my pronunciation of Haggai. This is what my kid's leader taught me, so this is what I am sticking with. Till Miss Alita tells me to change it, I will not change it. Then Haggai, messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Someone tell your neighbor the Lord is with you. Unless they have a Dallas Cowboy shirt on, then the Lord may not be with them. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. There's the key words. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. We're going to talk about stirring today, being stirred by the spirit of God. And if you're pregnant, you need a name for a boy. Zerubbabel would be an amazing name. <laughs> For you to consider Haggai or David. There's another great, great name. Jesus, I thank you for the day, for this moment where we can just break open the, the bread of life, who, who is you. You are the bread of life. And just to let your, your life feed ours, to let the word that you breathe into being God come into us and to give us new life. I ask that today that not a single person would walk away from this place the same way they walked in. 
Change us and make us more like you. Fill us with your spirit and let our lives be forever transformed. And Lord, I thank you for this week and for the events of this week that are prepping for a 2023-24 Super Bowl win for the Detroit Lions. We speak that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, give someone a high five before they're seated. I am a man of faith. My lions, they're going to go 17-0. I say that every year. So I said, you're wrong. Oh, I come against that in the name of Jesus. Man by the name of Scott Foster thought it was going to be another night. Just another night that he has during the hockey season. But is one on this particular night, this 36-year-old accountant ended up signing an NHL contract, put on goaltender gear, and sat in the Chicago Blackhawks locker room waiting to be called in. He went into the game, pulled out the win. This was his night. What you may not understand is every NHL team, National Hockey League team, they supply two to three goalies that don't even play in the NHL to be there in case the worst happens for either team. And Scott Foster was one of that crew of those goaltenders that night. So on a normal night, he is there for every Chicago home game, which means he shows up, he dresses up nice, he has a great dinner and watches from the press box the world's greatest athletes play at hockey's highest level. But all of a sudden in the pregame, one goaltender gets hurt warming up. And then in the third period, all of a sudden, a second goaltender goes down, and a phone call goes up to the room, and this former Western Michigan University goalie ended up stepping up in a time where he never thought, two won't go down, that just doesn't happen in games. But he steps up and takes and blocks every shot the Winnipeg Jets gives him for the rest of the third period, and they win the game. A few hours earlier, he was at his accounting job at the firm, finishing up for the day, rushing to get there to have his meal and to watch his game. And when he started off that morning with his morning coffee, he didn't realize that all of a sudden, 12 hours later, 21,000 plus would be chanting his name, all because he decided to show up and was willing to say yes when the call came to him. We are wrapping up our series called Wild Goose, for which we're using a term used by by Celtic Christians years ago when they tried to describe the Holy Spirit. How to describe the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we think of a dove. Sometimes we we think of um, objects of peace. Uh, The wild goose seems just so contrary to what we grew up thinking. Well, the Spirit, he's just peaceful. But the Spirit is rambunctious. The Holy Ghost is unpredictable. Sometimes, I mean, he's knowable, but he's spontaneous, and he moves in power and might. And sometimes acts and responds in ways that we did not expect. Thus, the Celtics came up with this amazing, honestly, amazing idea for a new tattoo for Pastor Dave. I love this story. I think this story has been sitting in my Google Docs for years. I remember just coming across it years ago, just fascinated by just, it was more than they made the call. They made the call to one person that they knew could step up 
and fill a role. I'm here to say that I want to be the type of church full of individuals that are not just waiting for the Holy Spirit to use somebody else. I hope that you haven't shown up to the church hoping and praying that God uses the people around you in a mighty way this week. But my hope is today that you would show up ready to say, Holy Spirit, what will you do in me? Holy Spirit, what would you do through me? Holy Spirit, what would you want to do in the shape within my life? Because so often we want other people to be candidates for things, but very often we eliminate ourselves from being candidates. And listen, I believe I'm surrounded by talented people in this place. I mean, just on the platform alone, the amazing talent and the, of the individuals worshiping and singing and leading us into just times of song today. I've got talent everywhere, but I'm here to say that God doesn't necessarily need your talent as much as he needs your availability. And we use a term in the church called the anointing. And sometimes we mean it in, re- in, in, in response to like the oil that we use that when we anoint people, we pray for deliverance or we pray for healing. We are a church that believes anointing of oil that comes from the book of James. Uh, we'll, we'll learn about that, I think, in uh, October, November, December. We're going to preach in the book of James. But we're a church that also believes on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's a term we utilize to talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for a specific task or a calling. And you can have talent and abilities, and that's great. But what we need to see in this world is not a movement of the church full of their abilities. We need a movement of the church full of the anointing of the Spirit of God. Because it's the anointing of the Spirit of God is the difference between the best you can do and the best that God can do. And that's the beautiful thing about when God calls us, is God not just calls us, but he equips us for the calling. How does he equip us? It's the wild goose. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit that comes upon our lives, anoints us, separates us, empowers us, and uses us in an amazing way. We've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit for a few weeks. And I'm here to say that I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, the big C church that we are a part of, I believe that this is a day where we are going to come into a season where the Lord wants to activate his gifts in an unprecedented way. I believe it. I want to speak that over us. I want to speak that over this community. We are going to step into an era of boldness in the church where we are going to allow the anointing to flow in us and through us to bring change to the world around us because it's not going to be done by our might nor our, our power but by the Spirit of God. That's what I believe. I mean, read the scriptures. The Spirit is everywhere. Some of y'all think the New Testament is where the Holy Spirit showed up. Like, ta-da. Bippity-boppity-boom. Here I am. If you've never seen Cinderella, you don't get that reference whatsoever. Some of y'all think the Holy Spirit is some sort of new concept. First of all, he's not a concept. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And you look no further than Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, and, and darkness covered the face of the earth. And it said, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. That word face in the original language is a, a word that means beginning and last, behind and in front. Think of the Spirit of God is the parentheses in life, behind and front. And as we sit in the middle of his presence, he is there. That's why the psalmist would say that he hems me in behind and forward. He is a shield around me. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the parentheses around our lives. And when we live within the parentheses, the same one that hovered over the chaos will hover over your chaos and use you to help create peace in the middle of chaos. Boy, you don't have to go any further than that than to go into, uh, let's see, Exodus. I believe it's in the middle of Exodus where they start building the temple. 
It says, the Spirit of God anointed a guy by the name of Bezaliel. There's another if you're pregnant, another great Bible name for one of your boys. And it's the first time we see that the Spirit of God came upon an individual. What, was he, what did he get anointed to do? Was it to preach or to teach? None of those. Was it to perform miracles? Wasn't that. Was it to speak in tongues or to give prophecy? Nope. It, it, it anointed him to create articles for the tabernacle to be used for things of worship. Some of y'all think that the anointing is only to put you in front of people. Sometimes the God does an anointing to do something behind the scenes so that it's not you that gets the glory, but God that gets the glory. And we see that as a move of the Spirit, that from the first two books of the Bible on, we just see the Spirit of God moving and growing and operating. Then you get to the, the New Testament, the New Testament, man, Genesis, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, you see that Jesus performed miracles. How did Jesus perform miracles? Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, I'm going to send one who is like me, he's talking about the Spirit, down to us. And he, we see that in the book of Acts. We see it in all the epistles. We see the Spirit of God, he's healing, he's sealing, he's revealing, he's counseling, he's convicting, he's comforting, he's gifting, he's guiding, he's fruiting. I don't know if fruiting's a word, but he fruits people. Read the book of Galatians. I don't know if that's really good grammar whatsoever, or well grammar. I have terrible grammar to begin with. But we see that he continues to move through our lives. And, and so today, I, I, wanna, I want the Spirit of God to do another layer. Yes, comforting and guiding and leading and fruiting and all of that. But I also believe he, he does stirring. The Spirit of God stirs our hearts and he stirs our lives. And that's what brings us to Haggai chapter one and two. We see the prophets of the Old Testament predicted an exile to Babylon. and didn't just predict that there would be an exile to Babylon, but also that there would be a restoration of the people of Israel, specifically toward the temple of Israel. And so Haggai comes onto the scene. He comes in around 520 BC and he begins to speak to the people of God. And what I love about Haggai, he is a straight shooter and he accuses the Jewish people of misplaced priorities saying you have become apathetic when it comes to injustice. And it calls them to repent. It calls them to begin to form everything back together, specifically the temple of God. Haggai chapter two, verse six through nine says this. This is so good. For thus says the Lord, Yet one once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with the glory of the Lord, says, uh, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. I will say this, that when, before I became the pastor in the transition from, from the, um, Pastor McElhaney to me, this was a word that the Spirit of God gave over this church, that the latter days will be greater than the former days. God help us when we turn an idol of the former days and we sacrifice the latter days for the sake of what God used to do. We are so often forsaking what God wants to do because we're clinging with what he had done. I'm here to say that God is forming a new wineskin at K-First. He's going to give his anointing and his spirit, and we're going to see a greater outpouring in the latter days more than the former days. You know what does my heart good? It's seeing some of y'all that have been here longer than I'm alive clapping to that. That's a big deal. But notice this, that God says, I'm going to shake things. And so there's a distinction today that I need you to understand. 
Because God will shake for attention, but he will stir for direction. There are times that God will shake you to get your attention. I'm not talking about grab your shoulders and shake you back and forth, but sometimes he will allow a shakening to happen in your life, not because he's trying to punish you. He's trying to get you to wake up. It's like the spirit of my cat Moses at three in the morning. By the way, he's going on eBay this afternoon. That's a rough night. When he wants to get your attention, he will allow a shakening. But know this, that God never shakes you absent from his presence. He will use his presence. He will be with you in the middle of it. There are times that he allows shakening to happen within our marriages or shakening to happen within our, our world, our jobs. And listen, we can't look at those moments like God is trying to punish us. We have to look at it and say, God's trying to get our attention. And not only does he shake us, but he starts stirring us because he wants us to go the right direction. Now, we gotta, let's back up the food truck a little bit. Let's back it up a little bit. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the year of King Darius, in the sixth month, the first day of the month, the word came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Now, I'm going to stop right there. The word comes to Zerubbabel. There's the key. The word is coming to one individual to give a word and to take specific direction. Verse 2, this is huge. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now notice, the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, but verse 2 says, thus says the, to the Lord of hosts, these people, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, my, the time has not yet come. The word came, but the people are saying this. God is speaking this, but oh, the people really want this. The spirit gives this direction, but the congregation wants this. Can I just say, there are always two narratives at play. There are always two kingdoms at play. Whenever there is a voice of the direction of God, there's going to be a voice of the direction of the adversary. And so the question is, what narratives are we going to listen to with our lives? Well, pastor, well, pastor, do you realize what's on Fox and CNN? Part of it, partially, no, because I can't stand either one. Well, what is God saying? Well, I don't know, but this is what I'm hearing trending on, on Twitter. But what is God saying? Well, this is what I say on social media. Do you see what people are saying? But what is God saying? We have to choose this day whom we are going to serve. Does it mean that we ignore the culture? Does it mean that we ignore headlines? Does it mean that we ignore what's happening around us? We're not meant to ignore reality. We're meant to face reality with the word that God has spoken. Because the world will speak one voice, but God's got a better word. God's got a better word. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. Not if I can help it. We're here to plunder those that are going toward hell and to rescue lives out of the line. We're here to pull people back and to decrease the popularity of what hell is going to be filled with. We're here to fill, fill heaven with souls and we need people full of the anointing ready to go. Well, this is what God's saying. This is what people are saying. We have to choose this day. Whom are we going to listen to? Verse three. Then the word of the prophet came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. 
Is it, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, harvested little, you eat but never have enough, you drink but never have you fill, you clothe yourself but no one's warm, and you who earn wages does so and put them into a bag with holes. In other words, he says, listen, the house of God is falling apart, but you're so busy taking care of yourselves, you haven't actually honored God with your life. Take a look in the mirror. Take a look at your life and you're complaining that you don't have enough. You're complaining that God is not moving. You're complaining that God has not provided, but you gotta look into the mirror because if you wanna see God do something new in your life, you can't keep doing the same old things. We can't keep be complaining about toxic things in our lives and we're like, God, why haven't you removed it when we keep opening up doors throughout the week to the toxic things that are there? God is calling us to look into the mirror and he calls us to a place of repentance, calling us to a place. And that's where Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel rises up and he has a fresh word. He has a fresh word. What I love about this context is he stands up and he stands up in the middle of a group that can't understand what's going on. Why? Because they had one group that were looking at the, at the temple ruins and they were talking about where God had used, where he used to meet us. Because there's some people that all they can see is what God has done. Some people, they can only see how things are. But we need an anointing like a Zerubbabel that will, hey, I know where we've been, I know where we're at, but I've got the eyes that God has given me and the anointing of God upon me, and I know what God can do here. It's lifting up our eyes and trusting in the Lord, knowing the one that brought us to this place will not abandon us. He will take us further. Verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. In other words, if God is for you, who can be against you? Zerubbabel is, the, by the way, the only dude here. He's the only one seeing the blues coos that God is dropping in front of him and saying, this is where God is leading us. The only one sensing it. He's the only one that's there. And you may think to yourself, well, what if I feel like I'm the only one in my home? What if I'm the only one at work, the only one at school that's serving the Lord? What if I'm the only one amongst my friend groups? I want to give you a great word from Frederick Douglass. He says this, one and God make a majority. Mm. Well, I'm the only one, but you know who's standing with you. One and God made a majority when, a, when Israel was hiding behind their lines and David stepped out against a giant. One plus David made a majority. Three men are thrown into a, a furnace but, and they're like, why didn't these people get consumed? Because one plus them makes a majority. Why is it that Daniel gets thrown into a den with lions? Why is it that he's napping with the lions? Why he's making them purr? Why he's talking with them and he's not worried about anything? Because one plus God makes a majority. I'm here to say when the anointing of God is upon you, it is insane when we trust in him what he can actually work through our lives. Verse 14, and the Lord stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel. That word stirred in the original Hebrew means to excite courage, to animate the zeal, to awaken from sleep, to arise to action. Amen. Some of y'all need to be Pentecostal. 
I got, I got a few people from some denominations that you don't know what to amen or if you should amen or anything like this. We're in a church. It's okay to talk out loud. Just don't throw crap at me. The word of the Lord excited the courage of Zerubbabel. Why? Nobody else standing with them. Animated the zeal. Some of y'all need some animation in your zeal. Number three, the Spirit of God comes to stir us to awaken the American church from their sleep. To do what? Just to show up on Sundays? Listen, we spend 1% of our year going to church on Sunday mornings. You spend 99% of your year. It is time to arise to action if we allow the Spirit of God to move through our lives. Every revival, every move of God, every vision of God starts with a stirring. And it is my prayer that God would stir you, that God would stir me. Some of y'all have been sleeping your way through life. It's time to be stirred up again. It's just time to be stirred up again. You know, years ago when I was a youth pastor, we used to do four days up in the UP with our students. We'd take a few hundred students up and we would meet with God and we just saw amazing things happen. And so quite often we've had that in youth culture, we've had that in kids culture, but with, there's just something about getting away and hearing and that stirring from God. But I'm here to say that we need to start looking at a stirring from God on a weekly, if not a daily basis. Saying, God, meet us here. Excite our courage, animate our zeal, awaken us from sleep, and let us arise to action. And so there are four ways that I think biblically and experientially that I believe that God wants to stir us up, and we wrap up our series with this, is number one, the Holy Spirit stirs us with God ideas. He stirs us with God ideas. I would rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas. Good ideas, they're good. God ideas change the trajectory of people's lives and transform history. Zerubbabel is in over his head. But that's where God shows up and begins to show off. That's where you got to turn over to, like, to the book of Zechariah. And that's where, we get, uh, that's where we get that scripture that not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. He's talking about how will this thing get done? How will this thing get built? How will we one day have a place to worship? It's a move of the Spirit. I've heard this said so often. Show me the size of your dream and I will show you the size of your God. I don't know who wrote that. It's on the internet everywhere. So it's either C.S. Lewis or Abraham Lincoln or someone, someone like that said that. But I think there's a lot of great theology to it. Show me the size of your dream and I'll show you the size of your God. Some of us, God has put things on our hearts, but, but we'll dream smaller than that because we trust so much in our ability. I want you to stop trusting in your ability and trust in the stirring of the Spirit of God and what he might be able to do through your life. That takes me to number two. The Holy Spirit stirs us with prophetic words. Let me say this. The prophetic is not reserved for the select. I believe that the prophetic is a fruit of spiritual maturity. I love the words of Moses in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, where he says, I wish that all God's people were prophets. I wish that they all were prophets. Now, what we're talking about is not necessarily predicting the future. Believe me, I've been talking about the Lions' undefeated season for 47 years of my life. 
But the prophetic is also about speaking words of comfort, encouraging, encouragement as prompted by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say the right thing at the right time and they had no idea what you were going through? Have you ever had those moments where the right message, the right moment came, the right situation took place? I shared about my insane mistake last week. Go listen to last week's message. You'll hear about my mistake about missing out on God. I'm here to say that God wants to use us to be prophetic because when you step out and, and you speak that to somebody, when it's happened to you, did it not change the trajectory of your life? Because maybe for you, the trajectory was heading into a, into a direction of destruction or a, a trajectory of temptation, a trajectory of brokenness. Maybe you're ready to give up hope for your marriage or hope for your family, hope for your babies. You, maybe you just had no hope whatsoever Whoever. I've met individuals that were given up hope of their life. I shared this years ago, but it bears repeating that there's a gentleman that walked up to my dad one day and just handed him a nine millimeter bullet. And when, as a pastor, when someone hands you ammo on a Sunday morning, it makes you question a lot of things. And my dad's like, what is this all about? And my dad, and this guy looks at my dad, he says, well, a week ago Saturday, he says, I actually put a gun in my mouth and I was ready to pull back the trigger and I stopped and I said this, all I need, all I need to know, God, is that you love me, that you've noticed me. I just need to know that, God, so I'm gonna give you one chance. And so he happened to find Lakeside Assembly of God and, and as he walked in the door, my dad was walking out of the office and my dad just stopped and said, hey, you! I just want to let you know that God loves you, that God loves you so much, that he's looking out for you. And just that kind of spoke a word into him in the moment. And my dad just happily walked along the way, not realizing that what happened in a moment of just simple faithfulness changed the trajectory of somebody else's life. And so that bullet sits on my dad's um, bookshelf. In fact, if you walk in my office, you'll see a bullet sitting up there. It's to remind me that when God says to speak, be prophetic and speak into people's lives, encouragement and comfort into them. Hebrews 12, 24 says that we are there to speak a better word, that the blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We are called to speak a better word than the blood of what this world is shedding around us. We're here to stir one, each other, one another up toward good things. And now note this, that we, we can do more than prophesy to people. Did you know that? Some of, the, some of us think a word, sometimes we just speak a word over somebody, that's wonderful, that's great. But have you ever spoken a word over a building? I've worked with church planters. Hey, Pastor Dave, would you pray with me over this building? You know what we do? We speak over the building. God, open up doors that need to be opened and shut the doors that need to be shut. And we've watched God move. Do you know I speak over this building every single week? I speak, in over, I speak over the chairs, I speak over this altar area, that God would do insane things that are so far beyond what we can do. You know what I do? I speak over this parking lot. Some of you think I'm talking about the parking spaces. No, we need to raise about a quarter million dollars to replace the blacktop because that thing is pathetic. And so you know what I'm doing? I'm speaking over it. Lord, you're going to provide. You're going to give the opportunity to rebuild that parking lot and to do the lighting so we can do more evening events and not feel like we're walking in the dark every single time that, you know, everything gets uh, darker in the winter time. I speak over things. When you guys talk to me about your marriages, I speak over your marriage. Some of you need to stop talking about your marriage and start speaking to your marriage. Some of y'all need to start speaking over your prodigals. 
And I listen, we've got a prodigal in my family. I love my sister. She's a prodigal. But you know what? I don't hang my head down. I say, in the name of Jesus, let that which you seeded in her life years ago come to fruition. Man, we need to start speaking to our community. I know how the community may look, but you've got to have the eyes of Zerubbabel that looks and sees that God can rise again. He'll do it. He'll do it. It's the Spirit stirring. That leads me toward number three. The Holy Spirit stirs us with holy discontent. I love when the Holy Spirit stirs us with holy discontent. What do I mean by that? At some point, I believe that God stirs us so much that we begin to recognize that the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of the change. Some of y'all need to sit and marinate in your spirit a little bit. Because there are things that God has been wanting to do in your life, but you said no because you're so comfortable. And I believe that God wants to kind of shake up and stir you up out of your comfort because he's got bigger things in store for you. He's got ministries he's wanting to call you in. For some of you, I believe that God wants to stir a holy discontent from showing up and leaving every single Sunday and you've never gotten involved once. You've never been involved in anything. You've never given. you've, You've never served in any area. And I'm hoping the Spirit of God begins to give you such a discontent that when you come in, that you love the worship, that you put up with the preaching, but something about you sits down and you're so stirred that says, I can't just come and go. This is my church family. I need to find a place to serve. Deuteronomy 32, 11 speaks about God is like the eagle that stirs up the nest. What is Deuteronomy talking about? Eagles, when it's time for the eagles, the eaglets to fly... The mother eagle will begin to pull apart the nest, taking away all of the softness. Why? She's trying to make the nest uncomfortable. That may sound mean, but it's the best thing for the little ones. Why? Because sometimes we get so comfortable with where we're serving God that we're thankful for what he's done, we see what he's doing, and we have no vision for the future. God, that you would stir us up, begin to remove some of our comfort, and challenge us to live beyond what we have tolerated for so long. It's time for God to stir. This is how this church began 90 years ago. This is what we get to celebrate in September when we celebrate our 90th. It's something stirred in six people in 1931 that said, what if we had an Assembly of God church put in Kalamazoo into this area? A stirring took place. And that stirring began to grow. And that stirring developed into tent meetings. When I first came here, I drove down the East Main and I started walking around East Main in the neighborhoods. I don't know exactly where the original tent was set up. I just know the stories about the original tent. In fact, some of the family members of the founding pastor used to tell me stories. They said, we would we set up a tent and dad would be preaching uh, and, and, and we would be showing up to church and people were f- throwing tomatoes and they were f- throwing rocks at us trying to get us to not start a church. Now, you may see a tent in those days. I see a stir stick. I see God was beginning to stir and beginning to move, and that stirring led toward the first building in 1936. They met in a storefront on Water Street. We were Water Street before Water Street Coffee was Water Street. (laughs) And that storefront was a stir stick. As God began to move amongst this congregation, 
It's quite a year later when we built our, built our very first building in 1937. That was a stir stick. And how do many of you know that sometimes the stir sticks come when you don't want them to stir up because in 1946, a flood came and destroyed the building? Well, that's the pits. That'd be a, a rough thing to have you show up on a Sunday and I'm standing out there like, what are we doing, Pastor Dave? We, we, we can't go in there. That's, it's a stir stick. But all of a sudden, that church flooded, and at the time, it was called Central Tabernacle. But that stirring opened up the vision for a building on Portage that could be built and become a good permanent home for K-First. And so if you've ever been on Portage Road, and you'll see a little dance studio by Portage Road near Lover's Lane, that dance studio was Kalamazoo First Assembly of God. But that dance studio was never a permanent place. It was just a stir stick. Because what we would do later is over on Lover's Lane, not too far away, is we would build a building in 1963. And that would last us a good 30 years until 1983, we would land here. How do those things happen? It's the stirring of the Spirit of God to take us from one place to another place to another place. You're like, Pastor, what's after this? Wayne Stadium? I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to build Wing Stadium, dear Lord of mercy. I don't know what's after this. But one thing I do know is that, Lord, if we ever get too comfortable, shake us. And when you're ready to send us, stir us. Because, God, you can do more in us and through an obedient people than what we expect you to do without our involvement. We want, God wants to use his people. And lastly, and I'll wrap up with this, Emily comes, all shut up. The Holy Spirit stirs us, stirs us with Scripture. We will always be a people of the Scripture. Every once in a while, I, I will, I'll get privy to some sort of weird gossip. Somebody will show up to me, Pastor, why is it that we don't believe in the Scriptures? I'm like, at one point did we ever say that we don't believe in the Scriptures? It is part of our doctrine. It is who we are. We preach from the Scriptures, and that will never change about Kafers. We will always be a people of the Scriptures. Now, granted, we'll preach more of the... Most of the scriptures in Leviticus, we don't hit that a whole lot, but nevertheless, we're people of the scriptures. And when we look at the scriptures, the scriptures should stir us. This past summer, I was going through the book of Psalms. Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible by a long shot. It is a poem that consists of 22 stanzas. Each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And 11 times in that chapter alone, the psalmist used the, uses the word quicken. The quicken is a Hebrew word, and this is how it's pronounced, it's haya. Does it not sound like something from karate? Y'all were thinking it. This word is a word that is the most synonymous Hebrew word to get stirring, because it means to restore, to refresh, to revive, to resurrect. This is where the scripture says in Psalms 119, verse 25, and again in verse 107, quicken me according to thy word. Lord, let your spirit stir us through your word to restore us, to refresh us, to revive us, to resurrect us. Because when the word gets down in our spirit, it becomes like Mentos and Diet Coke. 
Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Your assignment this afternoon, in a safe place, put a Mentos and a Diet Coke. You will be blessed. When the Spirit of God, through His Word, gets deep down in our hearts, y'all want to be stirred? Dust off your Bibles and get into the Word. And let the Word stir you. Let it move you. Let it feed you. Let it direct you. And God will give you revelation. Now let me give you a word because we like that word revelation in the Pentecostal church. You hear the revelation. Oh, preach, pastor. We need more revelation. But I'm here to say that revelation does not happen without application. Because God forbid that we would be a church full of revelation and we do nothing with it. Pastor, give us more revelation. I'm here to say that. God will say, I'm ready to give you more if you'll just apply the first thing I told you to begin with. You have to be obedient to the level of revelation that you have. Some of y'all are waiting for more. God's waiting for the obedience to the first thing he told you. This is what Zerubbabel does. He responds and he says yes to God. Now God didn't tell him to finish the work. He just told him to begin it. I'm not asking you to complete any assignment at all that God stirs you to do. All I'm asking you to do is to start in obedience with whatever God gives you to do. Scripture says, whatever the, your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. I used to think that was my dad's scripture from when he spanked me, but that's actually not what it means whatsoever. Yes, I was a guy, as a kid that got spanked, I deserved it quite a few times. But I'm here to say that God wants to encourage you to get out of your boat. That's the most beautiful thing about the story of Peter walking on water. We talk about him falling, like sinking in the water, but he's the only joker that got out. The other ones are just still sitting in the boat saying, let's just see what happens. Some of y'all are too busy watching everybody. Well, they got some revelation. Well, we'll see what happens before we do anything. But Peter was a, you know what his, his job was before he started following Jesus? He's a fisherman. So the guy in the boat, getting out of the boat, was the guy that knew the dangers of what was underneath him. And despite the danger, still said yes to Jesus. And now we've got the only one outside of Jesus who walks on water and stood there walking toward Jesus. It's time for us to say, Spirit of God, stir us. It's time for church to be stirred by God. Man, we want the revelation, but God wants revelation and application. God doesn't just want to give you revelation and to stir you. He stirs us into action. He stirs us. When we see injustice, we are stirred into action. When we see wrong, we are stirred into action. When we see brokenness, we are stirred into action. When we, when we see people hurt, hurting, we don't just send thoughts and prayers. We step into praying right then while we are stirred into action. We are not the church that lies dormant. We are the church that responds here and now. We don't step back and say, God, we see this problem in our community. Somebody else. We need somebody to run for office. Lord, send somebody else. God, somebody needs to step up and do this. Send somebody else. We need to be be the people that says, Lord, if you want me, stir me. Send me and I will go. Man, we need the wild goose movement that that Holy Ghost would stir us into a place where we're no longer picturing somebody else going. But we need people with the spirit of Zerubbabel that will look and say, I know what it's been, I know what it is. But I know through the eyes of the spirit what it can be. And I say, Lord, 
Do it again. Do it again. This church, we're not closing our doors in September when we hit 90. We got another 90 years ahead. That I will hopefully be the pastor for most of that. I'm the 15th pastor in our history. Some pastors lasted a year. Uh, pastor Pace has got me beat so far by 16 years. I got 14. I'm coming for your pastor. But you know, every pastor, you may see individuals, I see painsters. We've had amazing board members come and go that have served, that have passed on. And I say amazing men and women have served this church, but they're painsters. The, we are, it's Spirit of God utilizing lives to stir up the norm and to shake and to see what God can do if the people of God are willing to listen and say yes to Him. So could we do this today? Could we stand together? If you're comfortable, could you hold out your hands before the Lord? Holy Spirit, I ask you right now that you would stir your people. Lord, that you would stir your people. Right where you're at. I don't want you praying for your family. I don't want you praying for your, your spouse right now, your friends. I, I want you seeking the Lord right now for yourself. And just say, Lord, stir me. Stop thinking of other people that need to be stirred. Stir me, Lord. Before I expect it in my spouse, stir me. Before I expect it in my family, stir me. Before I expect it in friendships, before I expect it in my coworkers or my classmates or my teammates, before my neighbors, stir me, oh God. Lord, we don't want to wait for, to follow the lead of anybody else in this community. Lord, stir K first. Stir us, oh God. Stir our lives with your presence. Lord, use moments. Use individuals. Stir us, oh God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would stir us with God ideas that almost seem impossible, but through you, God, all things are possible. Stir us. Lord, I pray that you would stir us with the prophetic that, Lord, that we would see a movement of the prophetic across our church community, God, where we would not just receive words, but have the boldness to speak encouragement when everybody else is quiet, to speak words of healing when nobody knows what to say, to speak words of peace when there's nothing but chaos going on in the room. God, I pray that we would move with a prophetic spirit everywhere that we go. Lord, I pray that you would stir us with holy discontent. You would break open our comfort zones that it become cages. Lord, stir us by your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Stir us. Stir us. Stir us, Lord. Let our lives be awakened by your presence. Lord, I pray for that spirit of Zerubbabel to rest upon your people. Lord, I know what K-First has been. I know what it is now. But Lord, we open up our eyes and we see through your eyes what, you, what it could be. We look at this community. We look at the state of our politics. We look at our nation. We look at our world. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up a church so stirred that Lord, instead of tweeting about our take on it, 
I pray that we would respond to this world with your take. That you're here. You're ready to revive. You're ready to use your church in a way that we have yet asked or imagined because of what you're ready to do. Lord, I thank you for the series, for stirring our hearts towards your spirit. I pray at the, as we bring this series to a close that, Lord, it would only whet our appetite for what you have in store for Kalamazoo First and the greater Kalamazoo area. We say to you, the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory forever and ever and ever. And everybody said, can we give God a hand clap of praise this morning?